0: Good morning and welcome back to Coffee Books. Today we are continuing on from the middle of page 21 in The Curious Barista's Guide to Coffee by Tristan Stevenson. Where cafes will go next is difficult to say, but it will no doubt be beneficial to everyone. Certainly it would appear that the large chains are becoming increasingly influenced by the focus on provenance and traceability of the smaller, craft-focused independents. Improvements among the large chains in the areas of training and quality should follow. If I were putting my neck on the line, I would argue that many of the independents can learn a lot from the customer service standards of some of the chains, especially in the U.S. Some cutting-edge coffee shops have succumbed to a certain elitist attitude, validated by their belief in their own superiority through the acquisition of coffee knowledge, which can come across standoffish – you want the golden honey, Pacamara, brood and siphon, or just plain root. I hope to see this weeded out in the coming years. Chapter 2 Growing, Harvesting, and Processing Coffee Species and Varieties Coffee grows on trees. Coffee trees. It may seem like an obvious distinction, but one that is worth making. All coffee trees belong to the Rubiaceae family of flowering plants, and more specifically, the Coffea genus, which currently encompasses over 120 individual species of plant, ranging from small shrubs to 18-meter or 60-foot-high trees. Coffea species grow wild across various parts of the tropics, and new species continue to be discovered. Strictly speaking, only two species of the Coffea genus are actually cultivated for coffee production. Coffea arabica, or arabica, and Coffea canifora, commonly referred to as robusta. But there are a handful of countries, such as the Philippines, that grow small amounts of a third species, Coffea liberica, for domestic consumption. Around 70% of the world's commercially grown coffee are varieties of arabica, which adds up to about 7 million tons of roasted coffee every year. The rest grow robusta, most of which comes from India, the Indonesian islands of Java and Sumatra, and Vietnam, the latter of which produces nearly half of all the world's total output of Robusta coffee, and is the second biggest coffee grower after Brazil. As the name suggests, Robusta is the more disease-resistant of the two main species of coffee tree, and this is in part due to its higher caffeine content, which acts as a deterrent to small pests. Robusta typically yields comparatively more fruit per harvest, plus its ripe fruit hangs on the tree and withers, unlike Arabica, which must be picked before it falls onto the ground. Robusta produces a smaller and less elongated coffee bean than Arabica, and it generally possesses a stronger, albeit less desirable, flavor. It's for this reason reason that Robusta is often used as a small part of espresso blends. Prized by the Italians in particular for its ability to produce an impactful shot, with good crema (see pages 109 through 111) and plenty of caffeine, you might then wonder what benefits Arabica can offer. Flavor is, of course, the answer. The Arabica plant produces a more nuanced product, and its varieties are broad, well-defined, and characterful in both their appearance and the styles of coffee that they produce. Most varieties are mutations, or crossbreeds, of two godfathers of Arabica coffee, Tipica and Bourbon. Tipica, often simply referred to as Arabica, is the variety of coffee that was first transported from Ethiopia to Yemen then on to India. In 1718, Tipica samples from Java were transported to the French island of Bourbon, now known as Réunion, that lies 800 kilometers or 500 miles east of Madagascar in the Indian Ocean. Here they mutated into a new variety, which was subsequently named Bourbon. Bourbon and Tipica varieties now encompass the lion's share of the many varieties of Arabica coffee that we see in today's coffee market. Some of these varieties are born out of natural mutation, and others are the product of the intentional crossbreeding or selection of heirloom varieties. Arabica is a self-pollinating species, so by rights the family bloodline should remain pure, but as typica and bourbon were transported to new countries and exotic climates, natural mutations took place and many of these new variants were cultivated for their desirable features. The story of Robusta is a similar one, although the species was not officially classified until 1895. Arabica was classified in 1753. Robusta is native to Western Africa and from there it spread throughout the world via Java. Like Arabica, there are many varieties within the Robusta species, but it offers little to get excited about, flavor-wise. On that note, from here on I will refer only to Arabica varieties when talking generally about coffee, unless otherwise stated. Anatomy of the raw coffee bean Inside the coffee fruit, or cherry, there are the flat-sided kernels, which are technically seeds, but are more commonly known as beans. In each cherry, there are usually two, but sometimes, and especially on trees grown in soil containing low quantities of the micronutrient boron, there is only one, which is known as a pea berry. Green, or unroasted coffee beans, like most seeds, are compact stores of carbohydrates, proteins, acids, and fats, basically everything the plant needs to grow and mature. Carbohydrates provide the energy that the bean would otherwise use and makes up approximately 50% of the total mass of the processed green bean. Approximately 10-20% to of that carbohydrate is sucrose, which will go on to provide sweetness, bittersweet caramels, and even acidity later on when roasting. There's a good store of fats and proteins, too, the latter of which will react with sugar during roasting, known as the Maillard reactions, to create the familiar browned appearance and corresponding flavors that we know and love. Caffeine, a type of alkaloid, is naturally present at a level of 1-2%, plus there's the lesser-known alkaloid trigonelline, which makes up approximately 1% of the bean's dry weight. Trichinoline contributes a great deal of complex bitter notes to the coffee through the chemical effect of roasting, including niacin, or vitamin B3. Finally, there's a whole host of organic acids that give us both acidity and bitterness. Most important among these is chlorogenic acid, or CGA, which makes up around 8% of the dry mass of a green bean. And on that note, we'll leave off today at the top of page 27, and we'll continue on again next morning in our coffee books journey. Thank you.